Hello, and thanks for clicking on this abridged version of our first episode, Halloween Havoc 1998. Why is this abridged? Well, we kind of figured that maybe an almost three-hour episode isn't the best first impression for new listeners, especially when everything else is about an hour and a half. The full version is still up if you prefer to listen to that, but if it's a bit too long for you, then you're currently in the right place. Oh, and sorry about my audio quality for this episode. We got it figured out for episode two. With all that, enjoy a review of what got voted the worst wrestling show of 1998. This is Halloween Havoc. Hello, and welcome to the Butts in the Seats podcast, where we take a look at the politics and the bullshit seen on screen during the downfall of WCW. Or as Emily knows it, the prologue to the invasion. I am your host, Nick Aiello. Along with me, I have Emily Schultz. Hello. Emily, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I've got a glass of wine. I'm ready to talk about WCW. You excited to start a podcast? Very! We've been talking about this for so long. We did like a test months ago, and we've been talking about it, and we just never did it. I'm glad we finally are doing it. <laughs> now, why are we doing this time period? You have a lot of information in your brain about World Wrestling Federation, like WWF, WWE, and I don't, but you don't really have a lot about WCW, and I know nothing except for the book that we read. Yeah, I have very minimal. So we listened to the um, audiobook for the death of WCW. We kind of wanted to live the experience (laughs) and maybe along the way try to figure out what happened to all those millions of millions of people who just stopped watching wrestling. But so how long have you been watching wrestling, Emily? How long have we been dating? (laughs) Well, we just hit two years, so. So two years. And I have been watching since about 2006, so I'm almost almost 15 years deep. The only thing I knew about wrestling before starting to date Nick was The Rock was a wrestler, John Cena was a person. Was a person, not a wrestler. he, He was a person. And I thought that Hulk Hogan and Dog the Bounty Hunter were the same person. Explain that one? I can't. (laughs) I don't know if I knew that one. Because I used to watch, like, MTV reality shows way back in the day. And Brooke Knows Best was a reality show. And it was about Brooke Hogan dating in the world in 2008. And Hulk Hogan would come on every once in a while. I guess. I can't remember. I didn't watch it religiously. But he made an appearance here and there. And I had just moved to the East Coast from Hawaii. I'm a military kid. And while we were in Hawaii, Dog the Bounty Hunter came to visit, like, one of the military bases. So I met him. And he has, like, that big macho guy look. I'm pretty sure he had, like, bleach blonde hair at the time, too. So He always does. I didn't have a distinction in my brain between the man that I met and the man I'm watching on MTV. I was just like, oh, wow, it's a big guy. Must be the same person. So <laughs> I, had to, I had to double check and see what Dr. Bounty Hunter actually looks like. He looks more like Mickey Rourke than he does Hulk Hogan. It was 2008. I had absolutely no, like, nothing to base any of this off of. But anyway, I guess this is Halloween Havoc 1998. So yeah, the opening package, um, 
doesn't really say anything. Honestly, I don't really remember the opening package. So, I didn't notice it until I cut to the audience, but it was oh, it was very Batman-esque music. It was very, like, operatic. Oh. But it, the opening package is just... There's nobody talking. It's just people posing and going down the matches of who's in them and them posing. But it tells you nothing about any of the programs. It, it doesn't say anything about any of the storylines that you'd be following. Which, that was, that, was, that was a big issue for me. We planned to watch the Raws... Sorry, not the Raws, the Nitros. Okay, <laughs> gotta get used to that. Well, I I overall had a hard time not referring to everybody by their WWE name. Like, I am, like, like, the Giant. And I'm like, nope, that's Big Show. Like, nope, it's the Giant. That was something that I did during the opening package. I was, while everybody was, like, posing and they were introducing the roster or whatever... I was making note of, oh, I remember them from the invasion. I remember them from WCW or WWE. I've been pushing for Emily to give some people a second chance after WWE just not doing anything with them during the invasion. The invasion was my least favorite time thus far as a wrestling fan. I hated it. Yeah, I don't know how controversial an opinion It was is. awful. I want to do skip every match. I hated DDP. He was the most annoying person in the invasion. Raven, Rhino, I hated them. They were nothing. But the show as a whole, Halloween Havoc, 1998, taking place on October 25th, 1998. We, we chose to start with Halloween Havoc because it's spooky time. Well, so. I, we actually chose it because I wanted to get the uh, upcoming Starcade and some of the Nitros after that. And this seemed like a natural starting point to me. In terms of things going wrong, I feel like Halloween Havoc really kind of hits the quota. So would you say the things before this were just like, you know, rainbows and butterflies and everything's uh, great? No, I, I, there were always issues okay. with the company. But WCW as a business hit its peak at Starcade 1997. If you go back and watch that show, there's still issues there's issues with, you know, even at WWE's peak, there were issues. But I think this can very easily... There's a lot of points that can be, you know, the beginning of the end. When it's all kind of going down, it's like, what part along the downward trend do you kind of say, this is pretty much shot? Fair. I don't know how much of the beginning of the end this is versus just very emblematic of the issues WCW is having at this time. Okay. Good amount of the audience is, is worn out on the NWO, and the other half loves the NWO. And apologies if you love the NWO, but it does seem like the people who love the NWO aren't usually aren't all into wrestling. They're just into cool guys <laughs> being cool. They really did hammer in the NWO. I I think nowhere was that more clear than when they did the announcements for the main event. They introduced Goldberg as the WCW NWO champion. Yes, I did notice that. Yeah. They had this notion of, and I think they already bailed on at this point, where we're going to make the NWO a different show. That way, WWE will be in third place. Oh. That's not how that works. No. But I need to ask, was the Big Pumpkin fun? The Big Pumpkin brought to you by Snickers? Yes. By the way, it's by Snickers. Hey, did you see Snickers? (laughs) Yes. I did like the big pumpkin. What did you think of the gargoyle? I didn't realize it was... I just put, like, weird monster, and then I went, oh, it's supposed to be a gargoyle. Okay. They, I think they said that in the... They said it later yeah. in the broadcast. That's why I had to go back and, like, change the I didn't even make note of it in my... Like, I didn't notice it until they said something about it. But, like, it was... I, 
I have no opinion on it. I, I liked the pumpkins. I wished it was solid and not inflatable. I thought the fact it was inflatable made it look kind of lame. Well, yeah. But like, they were, like, blowing like, in the fucking breeze and smoke machines. Like I'm like, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like the big inflatable things you can get for your front yard. You know. Yeah, but I... WCW's for the cool kids who can afford the inflatables that you put in your front yard. Yeah, I... <laughs> Thing, I don't look at Christmas decorations during Christmas season and go, oh, I bet that would make a, ba- a great pay-per-view set. <laughs> I don't see... Why not? Maybe it could. I don't see Santa riding with his reindeer in light form and go, ooh, December, December needs that. <laughs> one, The one thing I didn't like about the pumpkin was it kind of obstructed the entrances. They had to walk around it and it took them a little bit longer to come out. I noticed it with like Goldberg towards the end. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. It's also a matter of you want to get to the center to do your pose. Yeah. And there's like an awkward walk around with it. On commentary, we have Mike Tanay, Tony Schiavone, and you were a little surprised to see Bobby Heenan. Yeah, I forgot that he was a commentator for WCW. I, I don't know how long he stays around for, but I mean, he's been there for quite a while at this point. Him and Mean Gene, who comes out shortly thereafter, and it's just like... <laughs> It really hits home the, if you liked WWF in the 80s, you'll love us in the 90s. Right, that's true. Because not seen tonight, but under contract, is also Macho Man Randy Savage. I was wondering. We're trying to kind of take this week by week, by best we can. I'm trying to not, frankly, spoil things for myself, because I know certain points, but I don't always know the results. I don't know every storyline. Like, I I did know the the results of the two main matches of tonight's pay-per-view but other than that i was flying pretty blind in terms of results which is kind of another reason why we wanted to do wcw right because when we're watching wwf together even like any pay-per-view that we watch i like try to you know who do you got in this one like who do you think's gonna win this one i look at him he's like well i know yeah i know i know world title wise i know you know through starcade after that, I fly blind for a little bit. Then it's... I know two certain non-wrestlers win the belt. But in terms of what day that actually is, it might sneak up on me. Oh, I know one of them. Who's the one you know? David Arquette. Correct. Yes. You told me about this. <laughs> I figure, you know, you, you would know when, when Monica's husband won the WCW title. Exactly! I'm a huge Friends fan. For those. So, you were surprised by Bobby Heenan. I was surprised to see the Nitro Girls. <laughs> because apparently it was their first time on pay-per-view. Okay. Which I'll take their word for. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I didn't hate the Nitro. Yeah, my thing is, they like, they just dance, and they kind of just like, they don't know how to end those segments. No, it's kind of like a fadeaway sort of I, thing. I wrote, I guess that's over. <laughs> I didn't hate them because they actually like, had a purpose other than just, look at me, I'm pretty. Which is a problem I have a lot with um, WWF women. They just come out and they're like, look at my butt, look at how pretty I am. I'm going to be a distraction for you in the ring. These women actually seemed to have a skill set and it was being used and they were like, they were cheerleaders. I mean, that's what they were. They were cheerleaders. Yes. And like, I appreciate that they were dancing. They were actually doing something. They weren't just being sexualized. Which I mean, they were, they were doing very sexual dances, but they weren't being like objectified, sexualized the way that like a Stacey Keebler who got a mold of her ass. Like... I mean, that's, that's, an, that's an exception. For those who don't know what she's talking about, we watched WrestleMania 18 and at Access, they had a mold of Stacy's ass and legs just, like, 
disgusting. Like displayed for people to pose with. And I'm just But that's I don't feel like the Nitro Girls were getting that treatment, you know? Now, does it annoy you that they have that but there's not really a women's division? I mean, yes. I do love my women wrestlers. I don't know. If my if my options are any woman wrestler is going to be, you know, swept into Vince McMahon's office and, you know, fondled versus these women have skills and they're going to be cheerleaders. <laughs> so after the long commentary intro, because they go on and on a bit. They do. Including Bobby Heenan putting on a mask and then being like, boo. And then Tony just snaps the mask on his face. <laughs> we go from that to an interview. I think it's going to be a little more common for the time being of... We don't go backstage. I don't think at any point. Yeah. Goldberg is the only time we go backstage. I did notice that. There was no backstage people, filler yeah, time. People, people come out for interviews. Mm-hmm. Because we start with Rick Steiner coming out for an interview with his... I don't know how much you're going to notice this, but his theme is a knockoff of Welcome to the Jungle. I really didn't notice a lot of themes. There was one theme I noticed, and I'll tell you when we get there, but I really didn't notice a lot of themes. They use Vanilla Ice Logic. Where oh. if you change enough notes, it's dun, legally dun, dun, a different... Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. So if, if you listen to his, it is very blatantly Welcome, Welcome to the, the Jungle. jungle. DDP has... I think it sounds like Teen Spirit. Jericho had his uh, WWE the theme, but has a ripoff of, I want to say, Even Flow by Pearl Jam. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. But Rick Steiner comes out, and we were a little confused... And it's more due to the promo later on about what the what is Rick Steiner's match for this pay-per-view. Yeah, because they were kind of selling it as, like, Mean Gene was talking to Rick saying, like, you're going to take on your brother. And at, at that point, I was like, okay, it's just brother versus brother. Yes, because Buff Bagwell comes out and is like, hey, I want to be in your corner. Yeah, like, he, he comes out and says, like, hey, I'm on your side, man. I want to take these guys down. Let me be in your corner. Yes. And, and then Rick is like, nah, well, man. Well, Rick says he doesn't trust him because... So the Nitro before this, Buff Bagwell took a swing of a chair at Scott Steiner. Steiner dodged it. Yes. And Buff was like, hey, I'm going to leave the NWO. Take off his NWO shirt, which looked strangely homemade. If you watch back and you see the clip, like I've seen a million NWO shirts in my life just Mm -hmm. on various broadcasts. This looked like... They ran out. Oh. Yeah. It, it, I don't know why it looked so strange, but it did. Huh. So basically, Rick says, I don't know if I trust you, but sure. Be in my corner. Yeah. And immediately, I was like, I, I smell a swerve. So was it in that interview that he was like, I'm going to, like, actually, no, I want you to be my tag partner? I don't think they said tag partner. I think it was, I'm going to be in the corner. Okay. This is, this is just... Illustrating how confusing this match was. Yeah, the like, match we couldn't fig- for a while. Exactly. We couldn't figure out what the match was going to be. I knew that Rick Steiner was in it, and I knew Scott Steiner was in it, and that was the end. Yeah. And, and Buff Bagwell's going to be involved somehow. Somehow. And I don't know if it's just because Buff Bagwell looks shady and just looks like a piece of shit. <laughs> I was like, I know you just kind of turned face, but I feel like you're going to... I feel like that was a false turn. <laughs> I like, like In this intersection, I'm like, no, I don't buy this. Yeah. I also don't know how I feel about um, Rick's dog jacket. The dog face gremlin, as they call him? Yeah. Um, and it had like little dog figures on his shoulder pads. Yeah, that was a little lame. I, I didn't like that I, so I, much. <laughs> I was fine with, with the, the jacket was very wrestling, but yeah, the um, the shoulder pads yeah. of... <laughs> it just made it look like a costume. <laughs> so we, we leave that and we're not sure what the hell that match is going to be. And for those who have been watching the Nitros... 
all of a sudden Raven comes out because Raven is not scheduled to wrestle on this pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And Raven gets no reaction. Yeah, it was yeah. like a negative pop. The, the crowd overall <laughs> kind of... I thought they weren't mic'd well, but then during various points, I'm like, oh, okay, you're alive. I can hear you very clearly, so... Right, and I think I asked you about that, too. I yeah, like, I, I thought they weren't mic'd well, and then, honestly, like, the main event happened, and I went, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Main event and one other match, I was like, oh, I guess they just kind of don't care about certain things. Because also, yeah. neither of these guys are NWL. Oh, okay, so they're um, not important enough. Yeah, and Raven... So Raven has a losing streak gimmick, which... Always pays off. Can you even call that a gimmick? I was torn about when Jericho came out because I want to watch these pay-per-views as authentically as possible. However, they have his original WWE theme, which is 95% similar to the one everybody knows. Mm -hmm. But just some of the audio balancing is different and I Uh, like it better. I was just so happy to see him the way that he was introduced (laughs) to me because I love Jericho so much. So Jericho comes out. And then Raven starts cutting a promo. Yeah. He waited until Jericho made his whole entrance. I think Jericho was in the ring at this point, yeah. too. And then they cut back to Raven, and he has a mic. Yeah. And he's, and he's like, sitting in the corner. That's part of Raven's thing, is he Ugh, sits in the corner. Patty boy. Yeah, you have issues with Raven, based on the invasion, which... I, I know. I don't think anybody who has seen Raven's WWE booking will argue with you. I think most people who are going to argue with you are going to be people who watch ECW. Mm-hmm. And, like, he was a big star there because Paul Heyman knew how to use him. I mean, he did impress me wrestling-wise in this match, which we'll get to. But his character, his whole, like, pouty, what about me? What about Raven? Like, it's just annoying. Were you happy to see that that carried over? No. (laughs) So Raven sits in the corner and complains about how he he slept until 11 and then he found out this match was happening. And he's like, no, I don't want to fight. Which. That always works. I mean, like, like I get that. If I slept in and it was like, you got to fight somebody later, I'd be like, no, fuck you. <laughs> so he just leaves and then Jericho is like, you're a piece of shit and the flock sucks and you're a loser. Yeah, he really hammered in the <laughs> loser. And of course, yeah. that's like a trigger for Raven. Yeah. So Raven then comes back losing. and the match starts. Match starts a few seconds short of 13 minutes into the pay-per-view. Oh, really? Yeah. That far in? Yeah. I, I want to go back to it because, yeah, because the, there's a it, the commentary bit at the start is mm-hmm. very long. The pa- opening package isn't all that long. No. That's the other thing. But And then there's the, the Steiner interview, and then there's two promos. And, and there's like the a, Nitro girls doing their dance. Yeah. Yeah? Jeez. It, it just it takes a hot minute to start. This did feel like, like an episode of TV. More, more than a pay-per-view. It felt like there was pretty consistent interviews and run-ins. and We haven't watched a full episode of... Nitro or anything from WCW yet, so I don't really know how to compare it, but I understand what you're saying. Comparing that to what we've watched in WWF or E, the episodes of SmackDown have a lot of backstage. There's a lot more, like, talking one-on-one with the wrestlers. This, because there wasn't a lot of backstage, there wasn't any backstage, I forgave it. So, to me, it was like, we're always out. We're always in the ring. We're fighting. So, I was like, okay. It's not it's not Fair. the same. So, in terms of matches, considering this is our first episode, I feel like I should kind of tell you what our system's going to be. We did a pilot, and we kind of tried it both ways of going, like, straight up play-by-play versus highlights. And we found highlights work, works a bit better. So, we're going to go with that. If anything, doing highlights is just not as exhausting. 
I don't know. It, it's yeah. just... And depending on how good the match is, you may or may not get more highlights. Exactly, exactly. It was a matter of... We, there were, we did WrestleMania 18, and there were a lot of mediocre matches and just going, all right. Close, and trying to power through those. Close line was... to the outside. Yeah. Toss them back in. Yeah, so... So yeah, we're going to just do highlights and go from there. And our first highlight is that Jericho goes for his cocky pin. I mean, I just, I love it. Yeah. like I, I was the, geeking out this whole match. Even the announcers are like, I don't think he's ever won with that, but doesn't stop him from doing it. No. I was just, I was like, so excited to see him and he was just so energetic and like the level of energy and enthusiasm in this match just made me so happy. So I loved it. So I don't have too many notes on them as a whole, but like thoughts on the commentary as a whole? Uh, they were very, I thought they were very snarky. They were very snarky with each other. Each other, but like also like I'm convinced they do not like Disco Inferno. We'll get to that, that, that match <laughs> no, later. They do but not like, like Disco Inferno. yeah, like they were very snarky towards the wrestlers at various points, and understandably so towards the company as a whole. There is one in this match. There are a lot of low blows during the show. Yes, there are. I might keep a loose tally. I did not during the show, but at oh, times we mention it. That was something I wanted to bu- to bring up in this match. Didn't Raven bite Jericho? Yes. That's a DQ, is it not? Welcome to WCW. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things. Because he bit him right after Raven choked Jericho with his shirt. Well, relatedly, so they kind of go to the outside and Raven drops Jericho kind of chest first onto the stairs. Like after he set the stairs up on their side and it's like a... That's a middle ground yeah. of... Because you can whip somebody into the stairs in a normal match and it's fine. But I'm like, once you set these up as like a weapon, mm-hmm. it's like a... That was at least a gray area. Yeah, that, well, that friend, is Based gray. on the rest of the night, I was like, well, that, that's fine. <laughs> but like... I was But shocked. also, they were on the outside. Ref wasn't counting. No, not at all. But yeah. in other matches, the yeah. ref was very obviously counting. So it's yeah. very case by case. Uh, so after dropping on the stairs, Raven then sets up the stairs, runs up them, and does like a jumping clothesline off of them. Yes. I thought that was kind of cool. It was too. However, I I was turned off by the gray mats and the gray, and like the silver guardrail. I didn't even notice. It, it just like... I mean, I noticed the guardrail, obviously. Oh, well, you noticed the guardrail when Jericho it, went for... Face first into yeah, the guardrail. So Jericho goes for a diving clothesline to Raven. Raven kind of counters it and like... I don't know how much of it is him... Cause it looks like he kind of gives him an extra push. Yeah. But Jericho just oh, goes forehead first yeah. into the guardrail. It just looked like it hurt. Which, this is not unique to, to this night, but anytime there is that type of guardrail, I'm like paranoid for the for the crowd's shins. Like the, front, shins? like the front row, if they like go into it, the barricade um, sometimes kind of shifts a little bit. Fair. That's and I'm, fair. I'm always just like, because I'm, I'm, lar- I'm six foot four, I'm a large man. <laughs> And my legs are going to sit more forward than somebody else's. Yeah. I've experienced this on planes plenty. Yeah. Six and foot four man versus five foot two me. Yeah. We're going to have different sitting experiences. I feel like that number just keeps going down the longer we're dating. Shut up. So before he smashes his face on the guardrail, Jericho hits his, um, I think they call it a triangle drop kick, which funny to see how much it's the same as when he debuts. Mm-hmm. And also how quickly he shifts his style to the WWE style once he gets there. Yes, I did notice that. Because I liked this energy and this style better, almost. Like, as we've been watching WWF, like, it's... I I still love Chris Jericho, but I'm getting less enchanted with him. 
Like, I'm less excited to see him as yeah. time goes. Because, like, his matches are kind of formulated. Yeah, we're and also seeing him in 2002, where I think even he would admit that it's like, it's not totally his best work. It's not his peak. But, like, I did make a note that the the invasion really did Raven dirty because I was shocking myself with how much I was enjoying watching Raven fight and wrestle. I imagine part of it is because he was an ECW guy that WWE was just like, okay, trash, hardcore brawls. Yeah. And plus, you never know how much of that is. You almost destroyed WrestleMania. Oh, never forget. Yeah. Never forget how he almost Look into the go- Look into the golf cart story if you don't already know it. Oh, Raven. Oh, but, what a guy. Well, relatedly to but... kind of trash brawling they're on the outside for most of this they match are. like they they you know they're running close on happens they come back in and then they immediately go back out but there wasn't a lot of counting was it no there was virtually none yeah yeah the rules <laughs> quote unquote rules i even wrote down there are no rules no laws yeah were there's... they drinking claws no laws although funnily enough there are rules because Chris Jericho starts unbuckling the turnbuckle pad, mm. and the ref goes, oh, I shouldn't be seeing this, and then just weirdly has to distract himself by, like, talking to Raven. Like, hey, I know. How's the wife? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, are, like, cause I'm like, is this no DQ or not? They never really said. And you would assume that if they don't say, then it's not no DQ. And then in classic wrestling tradition, because Jericho set up the turnbuckle pad, he gets He gets in. thrown into it, of course. Of course. Again, like, face first. Jericho gets the lion tamer on Raven, which different not, than the walls, Jericho. Not the walls, and it's also not the lion salt, because I was trying to differentiate does, them in my head. And he, it was confusing he does me. do the lion salt in WCW, just not in this match. Okay. Right, so, yeah, so Jericho gets in the walls. The, sorry, I almost said it there, too. He gets in the lion tamer, and Raven manages to fight to the ropes. Mm-hmm. Followed by Raven hitting his finisher, the Even Flow DDT, which I found kind of funny considering Jericho's theme is a knockoff of Even Flow. Oh, okay. I was I was thinking about that. I don't actually know any of Raven's like moves. I don't know what his finisher is like his. I don't want know what his signature. Yeah, that'll is. be interesting yeah. for WCW because we we've kind of talked about how having set finishers almost almost ruins matches. Mm-hmm. Of like, well, clearly they're going to kick out because this wasn't one of these one of the moves. Right. But yeah, this is just like a DDT. But Jericho kicks out of it, and then he hits a low blow right in front of the ref. To and which that's I noted, not a problem. DQ. <laughs> By the way, that is one. Oh, no, the bite, that's two. No, I'm saying, I'm just going sheer low blows. Oh, okay. Or, and even the bite, sometimes they'll kind of give you a count. So You're like a, hey, stop it, come on. Yeah. I'm a little more flexible on that one, but a blatant low blow in front of the ref. Yeah. Uh, Canyon suddenly runs in, gets knocked off the apron, which was a Immediately. Theme, which is also a theme for tonight. People interfering... Getting knocked off the apron. And at least this match ended very shortly thereafter. Uh, oh, yeah. Jericho hits, uh, puts the Lion Tamer back on Raven. And he taps within, like, three seconds. Yeah. And, the, and the announcers basically call him a pussy. Or they call him a, a quitter. <laughs> but, yeah. At least Canyon, you know, didn't have time to do anything versus later matches. Like, well, I guess that's it for me, then. Time right. to hit the showers. <laughs> and then huh. we see... Half the match in re- in very slow motion replays, where they like oh, yeah. they queue up the start of the replays too far back for it to be in slow motion. Yeah, it was like a long, yeah. long slow mo segment. I think they did it with all of them when they show the replays. They end it with the person coming out, 
like a shot of them up on the ramp when they first came out for the entrance. I did notice that uh, Jericho was very jumpy. Oh yeah, he did. He did very uh, schoolgirl style jumps. Yeah. Twenty one. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> he's he's great. I like the match. I thought it was somewhere between pretty good and good. I really liked this match. Yeah, solid opening, and I I think it gave us gave us both hope. Mm-hmm. We were both a little optimistic that hmm, maybe this maybe this yeah. will be all right because this is obviously a very much maligned portion of wrestling history right when we were talking about watching halloween havoc to talk about it nick you kind of like were telling me like oh you know it's it's not gonna be great it's gonna be rough we're gonna have a lot of matches that we're gonna have to like really sift through he he made me made me believe that it was not gonna be a fun time and i watched this match and i was concerned almost with myself because i loved it i gave this like a, a cautious eight out of ten I think I'm more meant as a whole in terms of what we're going to watch. Throughout. Yeah. yeah. I was just very nervous because I really liked this first match. And I'm like, oh God, does my, is my taste in wrestling yeah. garbage? Well, <laughs> to my knowledge, for the most part, and obviously there are exceptions. We have one of them later. Match quality isn't always the main issue. It's mm-hmm. storylines and logic. Yes. Yes. We stopped the pay-per-view while we were watching because I, I expressed this to you when you told me that. Because we, yeah. in that match we're going to talk about later... I kind of enjoyed it. You hated it for the logic reason. And that's when we kind of talked about that. But we'll bring that up again. And speaking of issues with logic, Hollywood Hogan and Eric Bischoff come out. And Hogan gives Eric Bischoff a little kiss in the head. Yes, he did. Like, he's his little brother. It was very cute. Yeah. So Hogan talks about him beating up Horace Hogan. And I don't don't care. Yeah, I was trying to figure out this... I was trying to figure out this storyline while they were telling it. So apparently Horace Hogan... Is Hulk's nephew, kayfabe nephew? His dead brother's son. They really right. want you to know that, that it, Hulk Hogan's brother is dead. <laughs> and he beat up his dead brother's son. Like, so his nephew. This may be up for debate, but I'm like, if you're turning on family, does it really matter if their parent is dead? I mean, guess no, but no. <laughs> you know what it really is? They don't really specify when his brother died. No, they don't. So, like, if it was last week, then, oh, absolutely, you're you're a shithead. But if he's been dead for 20 years, <laughs> yeah. like, how does that make a difference? Also, like, like he turned on, on his dead brother's son. Horace Hogan looks like he's in his, like, 30s. Yeah. It's not like it was a child. When they were first, like, when they were talking about this, this match that happened prior, they were talking about, like, Hogan beating up his nephew or i'm sorry his dead brother's son and to me it sounded like it was a like a child like like a young person like um like the dominic mysterio sort of thing that's going on in current day oh wait don't don't you remember horace hogan from brooke knows best no i don't (laughs) i don't think he was on it so yeah hogan also says he's gonna beat up the warrior and a bit that that made me laugh i don't even know if you noticed it so hogan is commentating over footage of him beating up horace Mm. and then in the footage Hogan starts cutting a promo. So you have Hulk Hogan talking over Hulk Hogan cutting a promo. I did not notice I made me laugh. <laughs> That's fun. The production, production quality as a whole, mm-hmm. kind of, you can sense WWE has always kind of mastered that a little bit better. Yeah. Like, there's one video package tonight? I think it's just Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. Yes, yes. Like, like I mean, I guess there is the that's intro. The only one. There is the intro one, but, but that's, that's not really. That's bordering on a like a Windows Movie Maker photo slideshow. Yeah, really though. Yes, I wouldn't even call that a video package. So yeah, it must just be the one. Yeah, kind of a nothing promo. I mean, like they're both good talkers, so it's nothing. It's nothing horrendous. But 
the show would have been the exact same without this being here. Yeah. And on a related note, up next we have Meng versus Wrath. Who versus who? <laughs> you have seen matches with both of these guys. Meng looked familiar. Meng, Reng has been in WWE as Haku. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Wrath, I know, used to be the character Adam Bomb. I've heard the name, but I don't remember. And, yes. funny enough, you've seen both these guys wrestle The Undertaker in a tag team match. Haku, was he the one that was, like, ripping people's ears off? Yes. I was going to say, do you remember the Jake Roberts story? Yes. But yeah, look into Haku's stories, because... They're scary. Yeah. From all accounts... If he likes you, seems like a sweet guy. Yeah, he's one of those guys that you want on your good side, and God forbid he gets on your bad side. I believe he is part of the the uh, Bone Street crew, the BSK. It's Undertaker's Backstage Dominoes Club. Yes, yes. Which, when you say it like that, sounds... Sounds a lot less cool. But you have seen the former Adam Bob. He was part of the tag team Chronic. Oh. Where they had a match so bad. They only had like one they match, right? In WWE. They oh. were so bad they got fired afterwards. I did not realize he was in that. It was oh. him and Brian Adams. God, that's so sad. Their debut was also their retirement match. It wasn't their <laughs> debut. But it, yeah, this is this is kind of just a, a, a big boy match. Yeah. You, I said it was kind of like a generic big guy, very boilerplate you know. It wasn't terribly long. Which, no, it wasn't. Which, so, like, at the end of the day, I thought it was a little boring, but, you know, it took up virtually no time. You, I heard you, like, kind of be amazed by his, Wrath did, like, a diving kind of cannonball off the apron, that kind of, like, somersault. Oh, yeah, I did like that. Kevin Owens does that on a flat ground, like, into the corner on people. What yeah. Do you, what, so, what do you think of the savage hard head gimmick that Meng still has? Was that when he was, like, hitting his head up against the corner? Yeah. I, I took note of that. I was like, is this, like, an insanity gimmick? No, this is a this is a Samoan gimmick. Oh, I hate that. I thought I thought it was just, like, this man is unraveled. He's He's gone crazy. You know, don't, don't piss him off. I thought that's what the, you know, head bashing in the corner was. No. It, it's similar to where if, 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 like, somebody tried to headbutt him, yeah. the person who you did the headbutt would be would hurt. hurt. Yeah. yeah. Wrath hits a kind of a front sleeper Uranagi slam, and then shortly hits a uh, the meltdown, aka a pump handle slam. Mm. That's kind of it. They both had pretty sad kickouts, like when they were like quote pinning each other. It was just kind of like a uh, like it wasn't anything special with the kickout. Like they just kind of flopped, and like that was the kickout. Yeah. It was just it was just like a big boy match with nothing else to it really. Yeah, I thought it was kind of boring until the last like forty five seconds, and I kind of have no idea why these guys fought. No, which was an ongoing thing. I think I don't know how much that is because we didn't watch the nitros, but additionally, they kept saying, and this is much more with the eventual Steiner match, that it's like oh on a WCW pay per view, like you never know what you're gonna get, and I'm like. We should know. I'm what like, we're yeah, it's not, it's not a good thing. <laughs> I I like to have the backstory. I want to know why they hate each other. I want to know what's going on. They didn't tell me. Well, speaking of pointless, uh, Billy Kidman is talking with WCW.com. Okay, this was so dumb. I think this was just them trying to show that, like, hey, go here and you can listen to them talk. I don't think. I think it was just meant to be kind of like like a look in. I don't think it was meant to be its own segment. Which okay. We did not realize until the end that that is happening. Out like on the stage, we thought that was back. We thought that was backstage. Yeah, because it's just a table that has like the microphones set up, and they're they're they've got like a backdrop. It, it looks like they're in a backstage just room, yeah. 
And then we zoom out at the end and they're just kind of like right by the audience. It's weird. There was nothing backstage. Maybe it just wasn't a big backstage. I, I think they, they just like doing stuff out front because it is common for them to do interviews out in the ring or out like on, on the stage. But Billy Kidman doesn't say anything of note. Um, he's real bland. But he's a little. I asked you if you if you recognized the interviewer's voice. His, his name is Lee Marshall. Okay. Who I don't think you would know. You didn't recognize his voice either, did you? I don't think I did. So, it's actually a little bit after this pay-per-view. At some point in 19, 1999, he gets a little side gig. Being the voice of Tony the Tiger. Wait, what? Really? Yep. <laughs> okay, that's like a put-on voice. How the hell would I have recognized that? That's wild. Yeah. I thought, like, because you stopped and like, oh, do you recognize that voice? I thought it was going to be some obscure, like, Disney character or something. What a guy. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, I, that makes that a little bit better. It's still stupid. It was still a very dumb segment because he said a whole lot of absolutely nothing. All I noticed was that, you know, Billy Kidman was very young and very cute. You think he's a cutie? I think he's a cutie. Okay, we'll we'll talk about more at his match, but... He a hunk. Well, whether he's a hunk or not, he will face the winner of this next match, which I don't know why they're doing, having somebody pull double duty, but sure. It is Disco Inferno. Versus Juventude Guerrero. I say, yeah, not Guerrero. I had to make sure Emily noted. I love Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. Well, Eddie was supposed to be on, on the pay-per-view. He was? He was. Why? What happened? According to the stories, he he missed his flight and couldn't make it. Oh. So Perry Saturn took his place. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. That kind of that kind of makes sense. Does it? I mean, no. But <laughs> I was, Perry Saturn seemed very random, so I was curious. I have to ask, and this will be a recurring uh, game on our show, Disco Fever, does it slap? That is the only (laughs) theme that I made a note that this slaps. (laughs) That is the only note that I made. Disco Fever slaps. (laughs) I also know that he does not look like a cruiserweight. No, Which they apparently talked about in the... um, Spoilers, his second match <laughs> of, I'm not pretty sure if he made weight, but no one ever, never gets followed up on. Yeah, well. But yeah, I just, I think it's also the fact that Juventud Guerrera is just very small. Yeah, he was just kind of nothing. I didn't like him very much. He worked in terms of this match. I know a little bit more about Disco Inferno than I do uh, Juve, but. I wanted Juventud to be better. Because I love Eddie Guerrero, I love Rey Mysterio, I love my luchadors. Like, okay, I was gonna, I, you, you, you opened with Eddie again, I had to be like, again, not related. <laughs> no, I just, I love, I love, like, that style. So I was very excited to see him be very flippy, and he did have some good flips in this. Well, it's funny, it's funny you say Eddie's a high flyer, because I would say him in WWE, but he's, way, like, more technical, but I think he, he, he does frog splashes, and... I just like his whole yeah. demeanor. Yeah, this is a pretty fast-moving match, mm-hmm. although maybe a little bit too fast, because at one point they try to do this, like, flip-over arm drag, and they end up botching it, and then go right back to it. They which, do it immediately again. Yeah, which always drives me a little bit nuts when it's like, a uh, cool, you were setting up for this spot, and you botched it, now let's try to make recreate the spot perfectly. It's like, mm-hmm. a, just move on. Yeah, just skip it. Especially when, like, I mean, it was cool, but, like, it, I don't think it was worth it wasn't. going back to. I did notice that, like... Everything seemed very telegraphed. Like, there was no, you know, off the cuff. Everything seemed really planned. I think it was Disco was, like, running towards Juventude, and he, like, he was on the ground. I think he was trying to do, like, a, a elbow drop or something, and he, like, popped his legs up. But his legs were already, like, up, ready to pop him when Disco started running. 
Yeah, I I'd say a little bit of that is probably just a holdover from from like Hoovy's background. I did like it's funny. I like the the setup for it, but not so much the payoff. Hoovy is laying in the ring, and then like slides his legs out to hit a head scissors on Disco on the outside. Oh yeah. Yeah, which I'm like cool setup, but then just the bump no on it was just yeah. a really, really boring kind of roll, and I went oh, okay. I don't know how you make that look cooler, but you you kind of made it lame. I'd say we so we talked about the commentary earlier how they were very snarky. They kept doing something that annoyed me. I don't know how much it annoyed you. And I think this is why I said this feels like a long episode of Nitro. They kept hyping up stuff later to come in the show. They did. I'm not going to change the channel. I bought the pay-per-view. That's true. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, they did. I did notice that. They, they just keep talking about the, the stuff coming up later. And I'm like, you have my money. Figuratively. <laughs> WWE has my $10. <laughs> But yeah, I did notice that. I'm, is it just because they really didn't like Disco Inferno and they were just like, ah, well, I, I think I gotta talk about something. I think it's just their their reflex and the way they want the commentary to happen. Okay. They 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 want the show to center around keeping people interested, or they wanted to center around the main guys. Fair. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't love this match. I mean, I really like Disco Inferno and his theme. You do sell laps. Okay. I did. I did like. Yeah, that. I, I I know. I was disappointed by Hooventude, so I really like Disco Inferno. Yeah, Disco hit. I'm learning is one of my low key favorite moves. It's a it's like a running spinning neck breaker. For those of you who know the McGillicutter, it's that. For the six of you that remember Michael McGillicuddy's finishing move in the Nexus. Before he became Curtis Axel. This is all over my head. <laughs> I'm aware it is. This is, again, this is for like four people. But it's like a running kind of neck breaker and he swings and he kind of like snaps like the neck down. A little bit after that, Disco does the giant swing. So Disco gets dizzy afterwards. <laughs> but the, he waited a little too long to get dizzy. Like he puts him down <laughs> and then he like takes a step and all of a sudden he's dizzy. And right. It's, it's <laughs> like, a, oh yeah, you need to sell this. Don't forget you're dizzy. So Innie's being dizzy, and I'm counting this as number two. Disco falls and lands head first on Hoovy's dick. I don't think that's a that's a low blow. It has happened in WWE. And they've gotten DQ'd for it? Yes. Really? Yes. Cesaro and the Miz at it's like oh it's like a twenty thirteen lead up to WrestleMania pay per view. Oh. Weird encyclopedic knowledge, but <laughs> yeah, that has happened where if you that, that I've seen that happen both ways, sometimes it doesn't happen. Okay. That is his second low blow okay. right in front of the referee. Because who's to say he didn't act dizzy and then just throw a throw a headbutt? Fair, 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 fair. Shortly thereafter, Disco hits a jumping pile driver and pins Hoovy. Woohoo. I thought it was pretty good. I thought I thought it, I thought Raven and Jericho was better, but Yeah. I don't know, just in the things I watch and listen to, I feel like Disco Inferno's gotten a bit of a bad rap and I thought he was good here. I really liked him. I yeah. liked him a lot. I'm curious to see how he goes forward, but yeah, Disco Fever. I, I think it slaps, too. It really does slap. It's the only theme that I remembered the words to at the end. Do you remember any words besides Disco Fever? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which of the words was the title. I'm not even sure I could sing it for you right now. But last night when we were watching it, I was singing along. <laughs> it does help that you heard it three times. Yes, that's true. So after the match, Nitro Girls again. Nitro Ladies. Which I'll make my case for why the, why they shouldn't have come out. <laughs> At the end. I shouldn't have? Yes, we talked about this, how I I was anti-Nitro Girls for this pay-per-view. I think the Nitro Girls, frankly, should be something for, like, the commercial breaks on TV. No, I mean, it's kind of like football cheerleaders. 
During a football game, they don't go, when you take a timeout, we're going to show you the cheerleaders. I realize I'm making my point, your point for you. Yeah. They do in, like, college games and high school games. That's usually during a timeout. And they don't show oh, okay. them. It's usually, like, we're going to intercut they're doing stuff because there's nothing else to show. Yeah. So after the Nitro Girls, Thank we you. have a Scott Steiner promo. <laughs> Which I'm going to play the opening of right here because the rest of it's not worth listening to. But here's here's Scott Steiner. You know, I'm standing here in Las Vegas, Nevada, in the town that never sleeps. But you see, I've been going for 30 days and 30 nights with a freak on my left, a freak on my right, and one in a box. So being in Las Vegas is a night off for me. So I'm just here to tell you, Big Papa Pup is in town and he's ready to pound. So this goes to all you freaks out there. Big Papa Pup is your hookup. Holler if you hear me. So he says, I've been here for three days and 30 nights. How does that work? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, he, live, he lives 10 minutes down the road. He just, you know, he comes here for that <laughs> night. Just sleeps here at night. Yeah. Problems with the wife back home. I got to sleep at the ring. So he brings out the giant. Not Big Show. Not the Big the Show. The giant. Giant, which is a terrible name. It is. Like, when you really think about it, The Big Show isn't a great name either, but it's better than The Giant. It's less generic. The Giant, anybody oh, could be The Giant, you yeah. know? I don't even realize, he's meant to be Andre's son. I did not know this. When he was in, when he first came in as part of the Dungeon of Doom. They tried to make him Andre the Giant's son? Yes. Oh, I hate that. So he brings out The Giant and then challenges Buff Bagwell and Rick to a tag team title match. Which, I don't know if you realize the time... Scott Steiner is not a tag team champion. Okay, that also was not made clear. Are you aware of the of the Freebird rules in terms of the tag team championships? No. You know, because we're a group of three, any combination of the two of us can defend the tag team titles. Okay. The New Day also do this. Oh, do they? Yeah. Where it's like, okay, we like we like we won the titles, just like like our group won it. Okay. And it's like it's it, like I'm fine with it because there's three of them. This is like, well, the NWO has them, so anybody in the NWO can defend them. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, no. So J.J. Dillon comes out, which they never n- name who the hell it is. I'm sure you were confused who the fuck this guy was. Mm-hmm. He's like a commissioner kind of guy. WCW has like 12 people calling the shots it at, wasn't, at any given point. It wasn't necessarily that I was confused who this person was. It was just like, I don't recognize you, so I don't feel yeah. the need to like question it. Fair. So basically he comes out and goes, okay, well, it's going to be a tag team title match. And if they beat you, then you have to have a match with your brother one-on-one. And I'm like, wasn't this? This is where yeah. it started to lose me. Yes, because credit to Rick Steiner and Buff Bagwell. Like, I wasn't, con- I like, we say we were confused, but we were confused at their promo. No. This is what made us confused in hindsight about their promo. Right, because from, from what we thought it was, was it went from a singles match to a tag team match to now a tag team match with overtime. But they're goals. pretending the singles match was never set up. That's the weird right. thing. Right. And now it's for the tag team titles. What? <laughs> That's when I started getting lost. Yep. So then that happens. And the match or matches is set for later tonight. Yeah. So at this point, that that should be it. That should be everything that they're adding to it. Like, yes. Right? That's it d- definitely the end. should not get more confusing. <laughs> it shouldn't. Well, 
this this is pretty simple. Fit Finley versus Alex versus Alex Wright, my boy. Your boy. He's one of your. I love Alex. He's one of your boys now. He can be. I want him to be my boy. Um, I heard state of Finley's hair. <laughs> state of Finley. Period. Yeah, uh, another thing of why are they fighting? Yeah, no idea. But I love who Alex is healing so. face. Couldn't tell you. Because I'm like Alex Wright comes out dancing a little bit, but then again, Disco Inferno came out dancing. Yeah. and he seemed to be the heel. So, um, was Alex Wright the heel? Was he, like, too cocky? Or? I don't know. <laughs> Listen, say what you will about when guys are, um, you know, it's like, oh, there's the the NWO, so, you know, they're, like, cool heels. Mm-mm. Neither one of these guys are cool heels. No. Oh, I have virtually nothing for this match. Uh, I just... I, I wrote dual European uppercuts, which is appropriate for these two. Yes. What do you think of Alex Wright's idol animation, which is just the dance? Oh, I love it's it. like, I don't know what to do. I'm going to dance. I'm going to dance. My elbows. It's just all elbows. Yeah. Uh, I pointed this out to you on the pay-per-view, but Alex Wright looks like Discount Homelander from The Boys. Yeah, so we've been watching The Boys on Amazon Prime, and if you haven't been, you absolutely should be. It's fantastic. But he absolutely does look like Homelander. So Discount Homelander, he goes for like a diving dropkick, but he doesn't commit to it because he knows he's going to miss. Like, I don't know, just the way he, like, jumps and, like, falls, it looks like he's, like, ready to land on his feet. <laughs> yes. I, I, I thought it was going to be a flying nothing, so the fact that he actually missed something, I was like, oh, okay. Fair. I uh, really wrote nothing for this match. Yeah, Finley goes into the post, uh, Alex Wright hits a reverse neckbreaker, and that's it. Like, there's, yeah, there's, it? there's <laughs> no pop. Like, we talked about how, like, oh, it's kind of nice to not know everybody's finishers, when the crowd doesn't know it either. yeah. And it's just like, oh, that's it. And um, we're done. <laughs> I, I bored for this. I wasn't because I enjoyed them. I just, I do wish it was a longer match. I do like how energetic Alex Wright is. He's just doing the most extra stuff. Like but, he's so extra. I really, because really? to me it seems like he's. he's oh no, not I loved it. Enough. Oh no, I thought he was. But can we uh, clap it up? For there was no, um, to my knowledge, there was no reason there should have been a DQ during this match. <gasps> You're right. I don't think there was. There was no biting. So, similar to the Billy Kidman WCW interview earlier, sorry, WCW.com interview, Ernest Miller's there. And this one also just fades out in the middle of talking. It, it's, it seemed like, honestly, it did seem like him and Lee Marshall were having fun with each other, but... This one did seem like it had more substance. These don't seem like they're designed to be, like, substantial. It's designed to be like, hey, go here and actually listen to the substance. You know Fair. I mean? This one, just it didn't seem yeah, like you were just listening. Yeah, talking about all these nicknames he has, and Lee Marshall going, there's already people with these nicknames. You can't call right. yourself this. But this seemed like they were actually talking about a topic when yeah. in Billy Kidman was just kind of like chit-chatting like, about nothing. Like, I just want to get a beer with, beer with Lee Marshall after this. Yeah, right? <laughs> I want to drink with Tony the Tiger. Next up, we have the previously mentioned Lodi Ugh. versus Saturn. Not Perry Saturn, just Saturn. I don't like Lodi. In the former Flockmates match. Yeah, I'm not big into Lodi either. I think his gimmick is so stupid. I hate it. The fuck, the sign thing? I don't like that. That was really dumb. And even like the signs that he did go for to like put up, they don't say anything. I love Texas? What does that have to do with the match? Wait, you don't like his Love Actually gimmick? That's not a Love Actually gimmick. <laughs> I did laugh at doing Lodi's entrance. He's like been requested to be announced from anywhere in the world besides Las Vegas, Nevada. That did that make made me laugh. laugh, and I'm like, that's such cheap heat. 
but I'm fine with it. I don't mind a cheap heat pop. Like, I don't mind that. So then Perry Saturn comes out in his beret and his mesh vest. What really threw me off was the vest he was wearing. It was like leather netting. Not a great look. It, It came off more dominatrix than army ranger. I heard, I assume this will be quick. Was it quick? I don't feel like it was that. I don't feel like it was quick enough. I think it was actually one of the shortest matches, but it still felt It was too long. (laughs) This is the longest squash match I think I've ever seen. So apparently Saturn was Lodi's slave as part in in the flock. Oh, what? Yep. Just apparently within the flock, something happened and they were slaves. And the reason the flock no longer exists is because Saturn beat Raven and they had to disband. These Uh, are some really flimsy stories. Yeah. We both got annoyed by Lodi constantly going to the outside and going to get his signs, his signs. and holding up signs. And I'm just Stop like... Stop taking my signs. Like, Leave my signs. Shut up. I'm like, this is a squash match. Like, th- this shouldn't be going this long. Mm-mm. But I did like Saturn's offense. He has a bunch of kind of suplexes and some slams. Again, like, they made Saturn look pretty good in this match. Yeah. And then, like, I looked at Nick during it. I was like, do you remember Moppy? Remember when they did the moppy thing in WWF? <laughs> he went from this to moppy. He did. He, he was part of the radicals in between. Yeah, he didn't really do much in the radicals, though. Fair. So Saturn hits a Death Valley driver and wins. I, th- I think I saw how much time it took up. And I, it was like only like five minutes. I'm like, this felt so much longer. Mm, it really did feel very long. I just don't like the sort of chicken shit gimmick. I don't know how much, how much they're going to do with Saturn, but he looked good here. And I'm hoping to see much more of him than Lodi. I hope so. Next up. Nitro Girls again. Woo! Oh, also, no should have been DQ in this match. True. Still a bad match, but no DQ. Next up, we have part two of Disco Inferno's Night. Him versus Kidman. Not Billy Kidman. No. Kidman. Kidman for the Cruiserweight title. What do you think of Billy Kidman's look? Okay, so I think that he looks exactly like Bender from um, Breakfast Club. I don't remember the name of the actor, but that character in Breakfast Club. Judd Nelson. But I think he's only... Pretty much only known for that. But, like, when he came out, immediately at first I was like, ooh, this is a Jersey Boy hunk. And then as he kept going, I was like, oh, no, that's that's Breakfast Club. <laughs> I said it looks like if Bret Hart originated in ECW. <laughs> okay, I can see that. But, like, I didn't mind it. I thought he looked really straight, really good. And the work boots. Like, it just... I thought it looked good. He looked scrappy. His finishing move is a shooting star press. That's not what somebody who's a shooting star press would wear. No, fair. Like, but... Raven should be in that. Yeah. Raven's pretty close to it, but it's like... You know, somebody, who, very somebody who brawls, not Fair. somebody who's a fucking high flyer. I liked it, though. Yeah, so they keep talking about how Kidman should have the advantage because Disco Inferno already worked a match. And then Disco Inferno just just works him over for, like, the first 80% in this mm-hmm. match. And I'm like, wow, you're making Kidman look like shit. Yeah. I did think it was a quick turnaround. Like, we we talked about it, but, I mean, there's there were two matches and a Scott Snyder promo and a Nitro Girl segment, so... Like, even the commentators didn't know that it was fairly quick, but... It felt quick. Yeah. I think the, the commentators were even like, oh, yeah, he's been backstage trying to keep himself warm. And then one of the other ones like, nah, he was taking a nap. Yeah, I, was like, <laughs> I heard that. And I'm like, you can't... Na-. I'm like, you can't say it was really short and say he took a he nap. Took a nap. <laughs> like, make up your mind. But yeah, Kidman just gets worked over. Yeah. And worked over. And worked over. It's that whole underdog thing. Disco, Disco hits his finisher. And then Kidman kicks out. Exactly. <laughs> like, and I'm like, man, Kidman looks like a fucking jobber. Oh, I there was one thing that I absolutely hated in this match. All right. So I've noticed that in WCW, more than WWF, they do more in-ring kind of like talking to each other. Like in-character kind of like chit-chatting, saying yeah, their like just, character just lines. Just like mouthing off, which I, mouthing off, I yeah. like. 
Disco Inferno had a line that he said to Kidman. I guess it's like one of his gimmick lines, but he like had Kidman on the ground, looked him in the face and was like, Kidman, turn the music down. Yes, mom. I was like, that was so dumb. Uh, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, re- I remember you noted that. I remember like half an inch of what he was saying. And then you, you pointed it out. And I went, yeah, it was a little lame. That was so lame. <laughs> what did you think of Disco doing the Macarena at various points? So you know how I feel about the Spinner Rooney. Similar to that, I found it really dumb and almost insulting yeah, to watch. Just, not to... It's just taunting. I don't like dance taunting. I think it's dumb. I don't like dances. I don't like dance gimmicks. <laughs> doing the Macarena in the ring as a taunt? That's not a taunt. There was one nice moment in this match because I, I was, I thought this match was kind of meh. I did like, Kidman is going for like a run up the ropes bulldog. And at the very last second, Disco turns and kind of turns into, it counters it into like a back suplex. Like it happened so quick. It was almost like, I don't think even the announcers knew what to make of it, but Mm-mm. it was a nice little moment. Then Disco goes for another pile driver. Pile drivers when now, like when they need to get countered, it's like, nope, they were actually going for a power bomb. I'm like, were they? Right. Because Disco does the Macarena before going for the power driver, mm-hmm. which then lifts all the way into a power bomb, which Kidman then reverses into a face buster and then hits his terrifying shooting star press. He looks like he slips every time, and he it's does. really upsetting. And I I know he's hurt, like, I think, I think he's only hurt one person with it, but I'm just like... You never know. <laughs> yeah. It said this was kind of nothing match. I said, Kid, yeah, Kidman looks lame for almost losing to somebody who wrestled earlier. And, like, because the, the announcers are like, Kidman has the advantage, and it's like... No, he doesn't, apparently. Kidman got, yeah. It's like, it was way too one-sided for most of it for somebody who was yeah. wrestling on the second match. I thought it was fun. I didn't hate it. I thought Disco looked pretty impressive for it being his second match of the night. Uh, I mean, which is really better, this match or the Disco and Hoovy match? This match. Really? Okay. Yeah. I like I like Hoovy. Yeah. really disappointed me. I really didn't like his style. I didn't like his moveset. I just didn't think he was a good wrestler in comparison. <laughs> Next up, we have Rick Steiner and Buff Bagwell versus Scott Steiner and the Giant. Ooh. So I'm going to splice it in here, but do you notice like the the huge mouthful the announcer had at the beginning of this match? No. So he had because the announcer had to explain the match of what happens if they win, and then immediately had to do the long NWO intro for Scott Steiner and the Giant. Oh no! I it was this. like yeah, it felt like like two straight minutes of this guy going. <laughs> continues with this one fall contest for the world tag team championship in this match if team nwo loses scott steiner will have to face his brother rick for 15 minutes introducing team number one they represent the black and white of nwo hollywood and tonight they are defending the world tag team championship introducing first from Detroit, Michigan, the Papa Pump, Scott Steiner! His tag team partner stands seven feet four inches tall, and he weighs 552 pounds. He is Giant! So yeah, that was a mouthful, and... I mean, fair, because it took so long for us to figure out what this match was going to be. Yeah. Speaking of mouthfuls, the giant is smoking. Okay, yeah, that caught me off guard. He came out and he just had a lit smoking cigarette in his finger and was taking puffs on his way to the ring. I was like, Do you wow. know? you know why he's smoking? Because it's 1998 and everybody smokes. And Eric Bischoff went, okay, we're going to have that be your gimmick, too. That way you stand out. Being... He needs to stand out? 
He's seven foot tall. He's massive. He needs to stand out. It's like, oh, yeah, we also want to make sure people know you're a bad guy. He's in the NWO. <laughs> I'm what? Aware, I'm aware. I, I I looked into I looked into the uh, why he, he had the cigarette earlier, and I just started laughing during it. Yeah, that's fucking annoying. <laughs> it's such a dumb yeah. reasoning. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, and additionally, did you catch what happened on Nitro to Rick Steiner? He got interrupted by somebody. No. He got interrupted by Chucky. S- what the doll? Yes. Did I like black they, out? They they didn't show it. They just men they mentioned he got interrupted by Chucky on Nitro. Missed that. Yeah. <laughs> Not a whole bunch of context for it. Basically, Chucky was there to promote his new movie and just interrupted Rick Steiner and mentioned maybe he'll have Scott Steiner in like one of his next movies. Listen, among the laziest like, pop culture references, uh-huh. like at least Robocop did a fucking run in. That happened. What? Hum? <laughs> this is more late 80s. Robocop did a run and, and like someone was like stuck in a cage and they like bent, he like bent the cage <laughs> to like you know, like get in. Oh God. <laughs> like that's why when you ask is like, is this the beginning of the end? I'm like, well, they had a Robocop and, and the Shockmaster back in the 80s. The beginning so. is the beginning of the end yeah. if you really want to go that far back. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. I like that actually. I think that's better. Would you have preferred Chucky to interfere in the match? Is that what you would I think want? There was enough interference in this match. Yes, you're absolutely right. This was one of the first times I went, shit, maybe the crowd isn't poorly mic'd. Maybe they just haven't cared. <laughs> because you know the crowd loves? Hmm. Rick Steiner. Yeah, why? I mean, the, the Steiners were a, an amazing tag team. Okay. And yeah, I guess they've just been doing a good job building him on TV and. You know, Scott's been a piece of shit, so they want the brother to kick his ass. I guess, I guess I've kind of like, I don't know if I just, I just haven't been absorbing the fact that Scott Steiner had a brother. It's that like Rick Steiner never hit the singles career heights that Scott Steiner did. So I think people very easily overlook him. Cause, Fair. Because you know what Scott Steiner looks like. Like when you picture Scott Steiner, you picture Big Papa Pump, as you hate. <sighs> I hate that term. Here yes. are the Steiner brothers. That's oh. that one, Scott. Wow. Is he a hunk? Is young Scott Steiner a hunk? Maybe. He's massive. Yeah. He's cute in the face, but I feel like if he hugged me, he might accidentally kill me. Want a hug? Huh? (laughs) (laughs) I'm very small. Yeah. So, like, I'm kind of curious to see what they do with Rick Singles run here because I know it doesn't, I know it doesn't go anywhere too terrific, but. Does it last for a while? I, we'll see. I don't know. I I don't know, but like. It's weird that you don't know things. The crowd loved him. I'd say it was pretty back and forth option for the most part until Rick hits a clothesline and then it's like he has Scott pinned, but all of a sudden Buff wants to tag. Yeah. I, I, I do get annoyed when people stay down for story reasons. Yeah. It's like, it, it always makes me laugh how if you get punched during a match, you're fine. But if you get punched during a promo segment, you're like, not going to I always found that funny in like the, pr- the promo segments with the wrestlers, like... They can take a million jabs, but then the second they're in a promo and they're on the mic, like, you poke them and they just flop well, out. Like, come I'm, on. I'm fine with that with, with refs. It annoys me. Well, it annoys me too, but it's like, okay, that's fine. They're all made of glass. But then, like, when someone's a special guest ref, like, the, like the, the properties carry know. over. <laughs> so, Bagwell wants the tag, and then he just turns on Rick Steiner. Who could have seen that coming? 
And do you want to get frustrated about something? I'm already frustrated. <laughs> Think about this. Buff Bagwell tags in. He then turns on Rick Steiner. He then leaves. Rick Steiner never tags back in. Oh, so they should have been counted out. Yep. It, that would be a very WCW move to over, to overturn the title change because of that. Yeah. We'll see if that happens. Oh, that's annoying. But yeah, I realized I'm like, he he's the legal man and he just left. That that should have been a DQ count out. Yeah. And, oh yeah. Um, he low blows. I was going to ask. Yeah. So they, in, in these two segments, there are four low blows directly in front of the ref to Rick Steiner. I will let the buff Bagwell one go because it's weird if you can low blow your tag team partner. Yeah, but still. It's like you can't, can you get disqualified by hitting your own partner with a chair? They shouldn't have a chair. <laughs> no, but there's chairs around. I don't anyway, know. So yeah, so Bagwell turns and the the, the commentators do a, a funny bit of this of like, he got us again. I know many of you may have seen this coming. It's like... Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. It's like <laughs> we all like, saw this coming, man. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're the only one that didn't. So then Bagwell runs to the back and Rick just gets worked over. Yeah. And worked over. And worked over. And worked this over. is where it gets exhausting. I actually wrote that I'm like, the match probably should have ended there. However, they want to achieve a different goal because Scott holds Rick up for the giant to hit a top rope drop kick, which <laughs> scared the shit out of me. Well, it's to you. I want you to think about the fist. If he hit it, what, what would happen to Scott Steiner? Fair. That is a Oof. issue. A lot of people don't realize with the, I'm going to hold him up and you hit a move. Like how, first off, as we talked about 90% of the time, the person they're going to hit moves and then you hit your own partner. Yeah. There, it's like, if you hit it, what the hell happens? It's like if you're going to go for a spear and then you're holding the person up like, like in front of you. It's like you're gonna, both going to get hit. You're both going to go down. So, yeah, giant top rope draw kicks, Scott Steiner. His, uh, his venture to the top rope was oh, yeah. questionable was, at best. He was unsure. He, he was wobbly. He was trying to find his footing. <laughs> Rick hits the Steiner Bulldog, which is a top rope or like a middle rope kind of bulldog and pins the giant. New tag team champions, Rick Steiner and Buff. Buff? <laughs> Even that's just like, uh, who's his I partner? I guess it's Buff Bagwell. Yeah. And then, of course, it goes into overtime. Well, it wasn't really overtime. Well, it was if, like, if the titles changed, they had to go to the brother versus brother. They have a second match. It, it's it, the same match. Well, overtime implies that like the title, they get with the titles back. Yeah, that's that's part of the reason why I think they're going to change the uh, the titles back. Yeah, is because. They don't know who the fuck Rick Steiner's partner is going to be. I mean, yeah, same. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we haven't been watching, so I don't even know who in story would make sense yeah. to, like, save the day, you know? I'll be your tag team partner. Like, I don't yeah. know who that would even be. Somebody fighting the NWO. I don't know. I forgot. After one of the low blows, the commentators actually acknowledge that, like, the rules committee needs to take a look at that move. Oh, yeah. Because it happens so often. It's like, are you telling me that's that's legal? That's the line? Like... <laughs> All the other stuff that's, you know, DQable, that that's where you cut it off. Well, oh, but, now we got to look at yeah, it. Yeah, and we have we have the fourth low blow to Rick during the Rick versus Scott match after Scott just tries to leave and go, no, I don't want to fight. <laughs> then Rick brings him back. So they actually acknowledge there was supposed to be the ma- this match originally, and it was going to be no oh. DQ. Yes, they do. But that no DQ thing had not been said prior. Yeah, the commentary starts to get annoyed uh, about the low blows and the change of the rules. Scott tries to uh, kind of leapfrog Rick when they're, you know, when he, shoots, when he mm-hmm. throws off the ropes. And Rick catches him, hits him with a, a beautiful kind of power slam. Yeah. Like, I do like the Steiner's offense. 
So I did kind of say that this is another kind of like just big guy match. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, but it was entertaining. Like I did enjoy it. Like it was fun to watch, but it yeah, was the, just the, big the, guy the, versus the big lo- guy. The logic of a lot of it killed killed it for me because then somebody in a suit and a Bill Clinton mask comes to the audience. Did we confirm that it was a Bill Clinton mask? Yes. Okay, there was a question about that last night. <laughs> comes to the audience, beats up security. Stevie Ray from the NWO, Booker T's brother comes down and hands this person a slapjack. So he's still in the mask at this point. Also, why did Stevie Ray come down? Because Stevie Ray just vanishes after this. Yeah, he just kind of appears and then disappears. Like, why didn't he just break it out with him? I don't know. Because he came from the audience. Yep, comes from the audience. And then he knocks out the ref, knocks out Rick Steiner. I forget if he demasks first or not, but then it's it's Buff Bagwell. Why? Why were you masked? You've already turned on Rick Steiner. You don't need to turn again. <laughs> also, when they knock out the ref, the bell rings, which you didn't catch, but it def—I went to no It definitely rings. So it the the match ended. It should have been a DQ match because there's interference. Yeah, but he, he hit the ref. So I, I've seen that happen where if you like someone knocks the ref, it's like okay, the match is over. But neither ref bell rings, and then scott tries to pin rick and buff takes the referee's like arms and tries to count three yeah and rick keeps kicking out scott hits a top rope frankensteiner yes i did like the frankensteiner yeah no reaction for it i know and rick kicks out again rick turns the tide hits a steiner bulldog off the middle rope then a referee comes down and counts the pin rick wins rick wins even though the match is over yeah question mark i i don't know i why Buff had to hide his face to interfere again and come through the crowd? Yeah, I don't know. Because he left through, like, the He ramp. went through the back... Yeah, backstage. I, it was a mess. I thought Rick did well. It was It was a mess. I think I think Buff Bagwell was the reason this kind of went to Probably. shit. The one thing I did find funny was the uh, ref that got hit. He just kind of, like... And Buff was using to, like, flop his hand Char- to count it. Charles Robinson, for those... Because yeah, he, sure. he, he's a current day WWE ref. How is he? While he was just kind of, like, lying dead in the ring, um, he just kind of got, like, thrown out of the ring. Just, like, ragdolled out of the ring off the side. Just got yeeted out of the ring. But props to him for being out of the way. We'll address this in a, in a later match. No, we... No, that is ne- not ne- next. Next, oh. next is Kevin Nash versus Scott Hall with oh our first God. and only video package of the night. Although, I, the voiceover guy, I, I didn't realize it was a video package for the, them at first. Because he sounded like he was about to sell me a DVD. He would, yeah, he did kind of have that timbre. Yeah, he just has that voice of, like, the rise and fall of WCW. <laughs> available now. But I'm like, oh, no, this is um, this is them documenting Scott mm-hmm. Hall's alcoholism. I'll give them props for actually telling us the reasoning behind this match. Like, it has a story, and it carries through the match. There is a story. Yeah, I... The Hogan has more. I don't think it's a coincidence that two of the guys with the most sway in the company get a video package. Uh, yeah. No, it's not a coincidence. Scott Hall's alcoholism and them making stories out of it. Thoughts? It's funny. Addiction is funny. It's a good... It's entertaining. It's bad. And once you, once you oh. like, look into the behind the scenes of it, like, how real his alcoholism was and how problematic it was, yeah. it's sad. Well, do you know who thinks it's... Even more funny, according to this match, Vince McMahon, no. the character of Kevin Nash. Yes, that's true because he kind of he came down with a drink. So 
Emily has nope. this, so we'll address this now. Emily cannot tell Scott Hall and Kevin Nash apart. I really can't. I even wrote I don't know why. They are notes. two very different looking men. I even wrote in my notes, blonde hair, Nash, brown hair, Hall. And I can't, I can't remember it. Well, so. I have to keep well, looking. Well, yeah, so Scott Hall comes, comes down to the ring stumbling with a drink. Mm-hmm. And then Kevin Nash comes out, and Scott Hall suddenly then splashes the he drink. He throws the drink in his face, yeah. It's really his eyes. Yeah, whatever. And it's like, oh my god, he was faking being drunk. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, but he does still have a drinking problem. Yeah, so. he's faking it now, but before he yeah. was not. <laughs> Wait, are you trying to apply he was faking it the whole time, or no? I don't or? think so. Yeah, so then Hall just works over Nash, hits him with a microphone. Mm-hmm. And then chokes where, him with a also, cable. Also, where did the microphone come from? Did just, he just grab it? Just ringside. Okay, because the microphone the, the thump D- came out of nowhere. DQ. Yeah. Again, should be especially the cable, especially the cable. Yeah, I mean, cable. Sometimes when you have an illegal hold, you can like hold it for you have like five seconds to break it. The mic shot is is a weapon shot. I was saying, yeah, the character Kevin Nash just keeps making jokes about like opening, yeah, open the ring, just. Oh, oh yeah, because he like mimed that he was uh, taking a drink of an yeah. invisible drink and then threw a punch. Yeah. And I, like, that kind of, like, caught me off guard, too. Because in the match, there was still that story going. Yeah, it's, where, a, like, it's, a, it's a messy story. It oh, is messy. Who would have guessed Kevin Nash and Scott Hall tell a messy, sto- <sighs> messy self-indulgent storyline? <laughs> For a hot second, I thought that Nash was trying to, like, get Hall to, um, to hit rock bottom during the match i thought he wanted him to like confront was, his you know that, yeah, issue that, that seemed like a storyline for about 30 seconds this exactly match. because yeah so hall works over nash and then, then they, they do the choke spot while nash is getting attended to scott hall just cuts a promo middle of the match mm-hmm. i don't like that spot i've learned that i don't like that you know gimmick whatever you want to call it i don't like that mid-match promo cut i don't like that after that there's a very very little bit of back and forth and then kevin nash just works over scott hall did you like kevin nash's bam bam yes. knee strikes <laughs> yes, so yeah, kevin nash just, just starts like well, mouthing bam. off to scott hall in the corner and he's like you want a drink bam you want a double bam bam but like every <laughs> knee strike, he's actually saying bam and it just made both of us laugh okay so i wanted to ask you about the um nwo wolfpack chant oh yeah so there's a wolfpack chant this is where, this is a load-bearing um, couple minutes of chat okay. we're going to have here. Because I, I didn't understand. Because you told me there were, like, different the factions NWO. of the NWO. So, there is the original NWO, which started with Scott Hall, and then he brought in Kevin Nash. And then they the third member was a Swerve, and it was Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. Then there was a split. There was NWO Hollywood, kind of led by Hulk Hogan. Sure. And then... There was NWO Wolfpack, which is kind of more the face group. Like, like Sting is part of that. Kevin Nash is part of that. Okay. They're red and black as opposed to black and white. Okay. We'll eventually get to NWO Elite, which is them merging. Okay. There's NWO Black and White, because there's, there was also the NWO B team, which is like a subset team of the NWO. There's the NWO 2000. Uh, in New Japan, there was the NWO Japan. There's the WWE NWO. There's also the Latino World Order. And there's the Blue World Order. Blue World Order was ECW trying to poke fun at. at okay. Uh, That's all I have to say on that. That's a lot. Oh, yeah. And Kevin Nash um, hits the jackknife powerbomb on Scott Hall twice and then just walks out. Doesn't even pin him. And Scott Hall wins by countout because Nash, quote unquote, proved his point. So he's let Hall win. I don't know. 
I th- that ending was horrible. Lame, I really lame, hated that lame ending. Lame match. Lamer, lame ending. Lamer finish. Nitro girls are back. Yeah. <laughs> My excitement is fake. Don't worry. I don't. I'm not. I'm not that excited about these women. I'm glad no none of the heels run in and like threaten to like beat them up, which I'm sure will happen at some point. But next up, we have what I thought was a little bit of a dream match for like for me. It was Bret Hart versus Sting for the U.S. title. And did this live up to your expectation? No, I don't know how much it was supposed to either. Okay, because I didn't enjoy this match. Yeah. I was well, really disappointed by this. Yeah, we'll talk about it a little as we go. But it feels like anybody who's part of the NWO or like affiliated with them takes three years to come out mm. once the music start, starts playing. It was driving me nuts at very He did point. take his sweet time. Like I like I to the point where I thought they were gonna be some sort of story. Yeah. And I was like, Nope, just he's being late. So commentary mentions personal issues between these two. But they never tell us what the personal issues are. No. I have no idea why they're fighting. Yeah, it's Bret Hart kinda Turned on the wolf pack and, like, he's like, all right, I'm f- kind of friends with the NWO, Hollywood. Heel turns your relative in, in WCW. So I could feel you getting annoyed with Brett stalling. I was getting so frustrated. I think if, if Lodi hadn't done it earlier, I think I would have enjoyed this spot. This was extensive. This was I don't st- think it was more than his. No, this was, ex- this was too much. I really found this annoying. I just don't like that spot in general, I guess. Like, just get in the freaking ring. Like, just get in and do your thing. Get out. Like, why are you... Why? You're getting worked. <laughs> Literally, this is heel heat you're, they're getting from you. Ugh, I hate it. It's so annoying. According to what you're saying, Bret Hart did everything exactly right. Yeah, probably. He's a heel. I just found it really frustrating. So, Bret, for the most part, works over the lower back of Sting with kind of headbutts and punches. Mm-hmm. Sting gets... Brett and the Scorpion Deathlock, which they kind of talk about how this is a match of two people who have the same move with different names. Yeah, it was Sharpshooter versus Scorpion. But Brett managed to get to the ropes once he's locked into it. So Sting is able to get it on him, but, but he's too close actually, to the ropes. Yeah. Brett fakes a knee injury at one point and gets brass knuckles out. They have a spot. Which he immediately drops. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure it's part of like a spot because, Probably, because like... Sting ends up with him. And Sting goes to punch Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. But the referee stops him. When the referee's back is turned, Bret Hart hits a low blow. He has the goddamn common courtesy to make sure the ref isn't looking. This would not be a DQ because the ref didn't see it. But also, why wasn't... Bret Hart is a goddamn professional. <laughs> why wasn't Sting with the brass knuckles a DQ? The ref saw those. He didn't those, actually hit him. But he had him. Yeah, but that's the thing. If you don't actually succeed in cheating, you don't get DQ'd. Like, there's been matches where people have swung a steel chair and missed, so it's not a DQ. Ugh. So this match was largely just disappointing. Yeah, I was unfortunately I, bored. I almost gave it match of the night for for that low blow spot. Just <laughs> because he adhered to the rules? I was getting so pissed at everybody else not following the rules that I went, you know what? I didn't get this Bret anywhere Hart, near Bret Hart match of the night. props to you. Shortly after, in terms of stuff that could potentially be a DQ, but not based on the evidence... So Sting accidentally back elbows the ref because he doesn't see it's the ref. Okay, so they showed, we like rewinded and even in the rewind, I couldn't tell that his elbow actually made contact. In, in this ref's defense, and I laughed my ass off at this, Bret Hart then does a leg drop on the ref oh to keep him down. <laughs> and then the ref know. just like stays oh. dead in the middle of the ring. Yeah, that, that's what we were talking about earlier. So Bret Hart, he knocks him uh. out and the ref is... He's laying down 
not necessarily in like the full middle of the ring, but, but like close enough. To but the like middle. in the middle of like this one half of the ring, and he is constantly in the way. Like yeah, most refs will roll a little bit, or like shimmy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he does shimmy. <laughs> but like they're trying to do spots, and and he's just in the way. Ref's in the way, and at one point, Brett does like a um, he's like patented kind of like elbow drop off a second rope. Mm-hmm. And he kind of grabs Sting, and when you, and you can see him actually kind of half grab the ref and be like, "Get the fuck out of the way!" Yes, I and thought, the ref I shifts a little bit. He like shimmies but over. <laughs> not enough not because enough. they do a superplex, and Brett's legs just smash into the ref's legs, and I'm like, "Oh god!" So, the ref deserved it. <laughs> yeah, and in adding to the disappointment in this match, we get to the finish. So Brett's in the corner. Mm-hmm. And Sting goes to do his, like, his big splash in the corner. But Sting's apparently an idiot. (laughs) Because his splash, he goes too high and hits his head in the ring post and knocks himself out in kayfabe. Yes. And then he's just out. It's like, it's not like, not like Brett, like, pushed him up and and he did it. No, Sting's just bad at his job, apparently. Yeah. So Sting is then hanging over the top rope. Brett hits him multiple Mm -hmm. times with with the uh, baseball bat. But not on the head. Only I on, think, like, the shoulders. I think, I think, I thought, like, once was, was in the head. No, I noticed that, like, every hit that Brett did with the bat was, like, on his shoulders, on his back. It never hit him in the head. I thought I saw Which it. Which I one, appreciate. Either way, he then uh, puts him in the sharpshooter, and they do the, uh, the drop in the hand three times, mm-hmm. and Sting, you know, quote-unquote taps, and Brett wins. Yeah, Sting doesn't tap. Sting dies. I was... Because this, this is the match where you got pulled off with a stretcher, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So stretch out for what feels like 10 minutes. Oh my god, yeah. I was disappointed by the match. Minus Sting being an idiot, I did like the finish. Because you have Brett win without Sting ever tapping out. Mm. Brett got to the ropes in, in the Scorpion Deathlock, but Brett never got the sharpshooter on while Sting was conscious. Fair. So he could have pinned him, you know what I mean? It, it was very yeah, much a... A statement like, no, I'm putting this on you. See, you tapped after this. So we'll see how much they follow through with that going forward. I like the finish. I was disappointed by the match. I was very disappointed. Furthering that trend, we get to Hollywood Hogan versus Warrior. This is the only match from this show that we had, that I had seen prior to this. How much did you even remember it? Of? I remembered the end. I did remember the botch. I remembered that. I was say, I know you don't remember the lead up to this nope. because there was no video package nope. again. No, there wasn't. There was no video package, but they did show the Horace Hogan clip again. This is where I realized that he was like 30. How did we get here? I don't know. Because they said that their last match together was like eight years prior. So there's really no reason. Yeah. So Hogan comes out one week talking about how nobody can beat him. And he's like, there's no warrior who can beat me. Just very randomly uses that verbiage. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. Nope. Just out of nowhere. Like, Warrior had not, not been in WCW at this time. So then the Warrior comes out and then cuts a 15-minute rambling promo. You know that man can ramble. We uh-huh. we watched the, the plane crash promo, which do yourself a service if you haven't listened to that. Listen to that because oh, it's, it's so strange. Mess. It's weird. So cuts a 15-minute promo and kind of loses the mystique a little bit. However, Warrior is now magic. He's magic? And can teleport in and out of the ring. Huh? When? Hmm? Including, there was a War Games match. He was part of this match, but not really. He didn't really do much. So basically, he's supposed to come out. He appears in the middle of the ring and gets hit from behind by Hulk Hogan. 
Then it goes to black, and then he runs down the ramp, and then beats everybody up. Okay. It's messy. It sounds messy. How do you feel about mirror spots in wrestling? Mirror spots? Hulk Hogan is in his locker room, and he sees the Ultimate Warrior in like in, in his mirror, and he's like freaking out. And then Eric Bischoff comes in. Eric Bischoff can't see the Warrior, but oh, the man. but the audience can. Just like weird, like supernatural, goofy kind of. Oh, I like that. I think that's you cool. You like that? Yeah. OSW has this video mm-hmm. on mirror spots. Mirror spots are rarely done well, but they usually make for great comedy. And this is among them because it's it's. Picture Hogan acting petrified. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I'm a sucker for magic. I love a supernatural gimmick. I love that kind of stuff. I love but I love I, magic, it, period. It, it, I'm a Harry Potter feel, nerd. I love... It doesn't feel warranted. Like, I don't care. Well, I'm saying for the warrior. Oh, yeah, because now all of a sudden he's magic. Yeah. He wasn't magic before. No, he was Yeah, not that's fair. If somebody like The Undertaker was doing that, I think I'd be on board. So, we kind of touched on it. So, this is technically not... Warriors' first match in WCW. However, he has done virtually nothing. It's been all of, like, in like team matches. Okay. Okay. This is his first one-on-one match. Oh, quick question for you: mm-hmm. How many people are in the One Warrior Nation? I feel like this is a trick question. <laughs> you would be correct. <laughs> <laughs> you bitch. <laughs> By the way, One Warrior Nation O W N. Do you get it? It's N W O backwards. How many people are in the One Warrior Nation? No it's two. Oh, really? Is I thought it... it was a fan base thing. No, the One Warrior Nation is, there's two people in it. It is the Warrior, and then it is the Disciple, a.k.a. Ed Leslie, a.k.a. Dizzy Golden, a.k.a. Brutus the Barber Beef- Beefcake, a.k.a. Zodiac, a.k.a. the Man with No Name, a.k.a. the Man with No Face. Keep going. Oh, God, I can't <laughs> Once again, OSW has a great video on this. I've showed you the, the, you the, have. the, the many gimmicks of Ed Leslie. I Eddie, want to see if you Eddie, can... Go- Eddie Golden, Dizzy Golden. Isn't it like 11... It's more than that? It's a 20 something. I wanted to see if you could rattle them all. No, I I can't. But yeah, the disciple became one of the people in the One Warrior Nation. But there's only two. So how can it be a nation? A nation of two? Are you fine with it being one? No, it's not a nation. That's why I I thought it was like a fan base thing. See, I'm taking issue with the fact that it's one. I guess it it only, only is one warrior. Fair. It doesn't matter how many people are in the nation, there's one warrior in it. Oh my god. I wonder how long we spent killing time before I actually get into this match. You really want to talk about oh this match, do you? <laughs> I Ele- do. Ele- Let's go. Elephant in the room. This match has minus five stars from the Wrestling Observer. Okay, I didn't... You told me this last night before we, like, after, ended the it night. It was after we watched it. It was after we watched it. But I don't think it was that bad. Like, I didn't I didn't think it was a good match. I didn't to think go it was back, that bad. So, I watched this twice. Once to take personal notes, one to kind of do... You know, loose play-by-play for the matches. This is real bad on its own. With two months of build. Fair. It's even worse. That's fair. This match is terrible. Is it so bad it's it's funny to watch? I don't think so. Because we've watched... I didn't find it funny. Because we've watched the triple doomsday cage match from Uncensored 96. (laughs) And that's that's comedic with how how much it falls apart. Ugh. This just is going nowhere. And taking its time. I was going to say, this is going nowhere fast. It's it's going nowhere real slow. Well, because Hogan like leaves the ring early on and they go, Hogan has really slowed this down. And I wrote, I bet it's going to stay there. Well, didn't they say something along the lines of like, Hogan slowed it down, but Warrior's going to speed this back up. 
It did not. Because it starts with some arm wrenches, some stomps, and then the test of strength. Okay, so the test of strength is the, is the hand things, right? Yes, which they did I, in their original match. So I think this is the hands-down worst move in wrestling. I oh, think yeah. I might have told you this before. <laughs> it is so unesthetically pleasing. It would doesn't. It, would it shock you to learn it's from, like, the 70s? No, but that doesn't make it less bad. That doesn't make it not the worst thing because, like, you're just holding somebody's arms. You're not even like it doesn't even look like you're, you're applying meant to pressure. Be, like, pressing. The it doesn't look like yeah. that though. It looks like they're just holding hands, and then they get one person on their knees. And if God forbid you switch the camera angle, it looks like they're sucking the person's dick. Yeah, it's, just, it's just we've all seen those get that one. Yeah, <laughs> but it doesn't even look like they are doing anything to the other person, and they hold it for so long. This this spot probably was like, the majority like, of the like, match. I don't know about that. I know what the majority. I mean, it, it, it's probably at least two mats. It takes so long for nothing. Because they aren't doing anything. It's not even like they're twisting the wrist or like anything. Like they're doing nothing. Yeah. Ooh, I hated it. I hated it I so much. I don't even know how they. I don't remember how the hell they get out of that spot. I just know we both laughed hard because Hogan's running and Warrior drops down. And Hogan kind of just like stumbles into the ref and like bumps him. And, and then there goes the ref. And then drops a knee <laughs> on him. I think this is while the ref is down. Hogan is trying to drop, like, elbows onto the warrior. Warrior keeps rolling out of the way. Mm -hmm. And then Warrior rolls into Hulk Hogan's legs, and Hogan takes a bump. Uh (laughs) Oh, so I did keep track of the number of slams in this match. Oh, yeah, you were counting. How many slams? I think you said, like, three? Four. Four. This is a 15-minute match. Yeah, that's ridiculous. There are four slams. Other than that, it's just punches and... They stayed in that hold for too long. By the way, it's four slams, including the fact that there are run-ins. They don't even slam any of them. Mm-hmm. I, I can't get over that. Like, they, it's the fact that they've done it before, too, in their last match. I, yeah. ugh, I hate it. It's so, so... It's ugly to watch. It's, it's stupid. So while the ref is down, the giant comes down to interfere. Hogan holds Warrior... For Big Show, to, or, sorry, yeah, I did it. I, I knew I was. I was trying to not call him Big Show, and I, know, I still it's did hard. it. The giant kicks and Warrior moves, and he kicks Hogan. Mm-hmm. Warrior then knocks the Big Show out of the ring. The giant. Sorry, the, God damn it! <laughs> knocks the giant out of. He's only here for like two for like two more months, so I am good. I can. I, I don't hate the hair though. Can I just say that? Oh, true. Yeah, we I kind of like his hair. I, I can't stop. <laughs> so he knocks the giant out of the, the giant and his hair out of the ring, and then like two more people get up on the apron, and the warrior knocks them down, and then he goes to pin Hogan, mm-hmm. and does his like like his like self count thing. Yeah, yeah. Hogan got kicked. Yeah. By the giant. That's all it takes. Yeah. That's all it takes. Well, well, relatedly, they get hit, they vanish. Oh yeah. Where and they don't they, like, kind of come down one after the other and just Warrior just kind of takes them all out one after the other? And then you, they just kind of, like, You're, you're describing that way too interestingly. They kind of all get on the apron and Warrior, like, punches them. They, I think well, the Giants are the only one to actually get in the ring. But, yeah, it was so, it was just like, ah, oh, you got me. Guess I'm done. Like So then the ref comes back to life. Yes. Just in time for Hogan to take off his belt. And, and whip hit- him! DQ? DQ? Oh, we lost track. I don't know, I think it was like, like three or four. Oh, yeah, I even wrote that down. It's like, belt whip, that's fine, I guess. Like, so it's not fine. The warrior, he goes to the splash and misses. 
the crowd doesn't react. No, they really don't. They don't give a shit. You know what else they don't react for? Hmm. Hogan trying to throw a fireball. Mm-hmm. Oh, the fireball. Uh, the fireball. So if somehow match. you don't know the ending to this match. I love this. Emily, what's supposed to happen? So I think that Hogan is supposed to like pretend to, you know, be hurt and you know, take a minute on the side. while They openly know. show him having flash paper. Yes, and he, a lighter. Basically, Hogan is not supposed to be magic. No. <laughs> He's not meant to, is that what, was that supposed to happen? No, he is not meant to like, Kamehameha. Okay. <laughs> because it, okay, so what was supposed to happen was Hogan, you know, goes into his tights. Like, I guess he's got a lighter in his underwear or something. He's just hiding it. He had a whole bag of just stuff. Yeah. So he had like a piece of flash paper and a lighter. And he was supposed to like light it and throw this big fireball at the warrior. What Hogan, actually Hogan happens. goes to throw it. It doesn't go. So then I think he lights it again and it just goes up in Hogan's face. Yeah, it just lights immediately in Hogan's face. Takes his eyebrows with it, apparently. Yeah, and then they just, they stall. And it's very clear they're stalling. You said that was supposed to be the the finisher. Yeah, that was supposed to be the finish. Which, you know, props to them because they did have a few more run-ins that looked like they were planned spots. So if if that was planned off the fly, great for them. it, It was planned off the fly. However... I think I don't want to go back and rewatch it no. again. No, they they kill a lot of time while people are trying to figure stuff out because Warrior notice. just kind of beats him down. Then they do yeah. they general do, grappling. They do two top rope axe handles. So little attention is being paid to this. Hogan hits his finisher. Hogan oh, really? hits the, Hogan hits the leg drop. Oh, I miss that. Yeah. Because no one's paying attention. <laughs> well, they're in such panic mode. They're like, I I don't know. Uh, finisher. Fuck it. Fuck it. Yeah. Because he gets light drop, and then Warrior, like, hulks up, for lack of a better term. Yes, I did notice that. I also noticed that Hulk did not. He's a heel. I think he's kind of stopped okay. doing it at this point. That, that's really a face move. And additionally, especially during the Hulk up, and I've seen this before, I have an issue with the Warrior's in-ring work in one aspect. He doesn't know how ropes are supposed to kayfabe work. If you bounce off the ropes, what direction are you supposed to go? Sword. Back the way you came. Yeah. He hits the ropes and then takes a, like a 90 degree turn, hits the ropes on the side next to where he hit. Oh, yeah. He kind of like goes this a diamond. Constantly. Oh. Not even a diamond. Like, I, I, I mean, I guess a little bit, but it's like a... Yeah, like that's four, not how the ropes no. work. You're killing Kayfabe. I was like, he did it really badly down the home stretch, but I, I've noticed him do that before. He's the only person who does it where he'll hit the ropes and then he'll like... We're like shimmy over 90 degrees. And I'm like, that's not how this works. I would like to run the ropes one day. We get to the actual finish, or the new finish, which is <laughs> yeah. Horace Hogan and Eric Bischoff coming out. Because Eric Bischoff then grabs the, the ref in a headlock, like over the ropes. Horace Hogan comes in, hits the warrior with one of the weakest chair shots, like to the back. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And then the warrior's knocked out for like 10 minutes. And then Hogan pins him. Yeah. And that's it. Amazing. Hogan tells Horace that he passed the test. Oh, so that was all a test. See, that, see, that's why I think, like, it it did well in, like, catching itself. Like, it stayed within the kayfabe uh, story. I mean. It finished the match. Like, it, oh, it so still are you worked. Are you telling me that Hulk Hogan beat the shit out of his nephew, mm-hmm. and then his nephew came to help him, and that made sense? I'm not saying it made sense. I'm just saying that story-wise... They brought it full circle in a pay-per-view. I'm giving them more credit than they're due. But yeah, um, you're giving a, them way too much for credit. For an on-the-fly decision, for an on-the-fly plan, 
I'm going to give him a little However, credit. However, I don't think Horace Hogan and the Warrior ever interacted. No. So that still leaves the fact that the issue between the Warrior and Hogan stands. Yeah. Oh yeah, so then they try to then they spray lighter fluid on the warrior and like murder him <laughs> before him security interferes. He's magic though, it's fine. So thoughts on the match. Um <laughs> What score did I even give this? I did score oh, all you, of them. I scored every match. Okay. I gave this a four. You wow, you I are know. very forgiving. I know. So this is Warrior's final match in WCW. Really? He will appear on Nitro and that's is he done for for good then? Because like he hasn't come back on WWF. Uh, mainstream wise, yes, I think Does he, he like indie rest, Yeah, very little. So okay. the little bit you know, because this mm-hmm. has been debated. Hulk Hogan and the Warrior only fought once before this, yeah. in which the Warrior won. Yes. Did the Warrior get hired just for Hulk Hogan to get, to get his win back? They dispute this, but it, like it definitely everything points towards. I'd say yeah. Yeah. I, I think I have to agree. Like The amount that they are pushing Hulk Hogan and the NWO and the amount that WCW loves Hulk Hogan, obviously. I think it's they would not hire someone just to beat him well, down. We're, we're I mean, we're really out of peak Hogan for but WCW. They still love him. Yeah, like I mean Can we look back on how many NWO spots there were? Like there is not NWO without Hulk Hogan in my eyes. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I mean, like no, they love him. They will never make him look bad. Mm. What? intentionally so yeah terrible match i don't think it's even worth watching to laugh at and the fact that that's the second time i've seen that match is yeah so i think it, i think it is i mean it's terrible on its own i think it's worse if you're what if you're watching week to week i think you mm-hmm. lose a little bit of the terribleness if you're just watching on your own fair so we're now we Last are on match of the night to the main event it is WCW champion Goldberg versus D- Diamond D- Dallas Page. It's me. It's me. It's DDP. And we also get appearance from Michael Buffer. Yes, that, is, that, that was cool. That was very cool. Do you want to know Michael Buffer's WCW paycheck? Oh, no, I don't. Because <laughs> this man was making so much money. Buko bucks? $98.99. He was on every Nitro and had a $25,000 appearance fee. Does the, hold so on. he made 64 appearances, totaling $1.6 million. And did the Michael Buffer, let's get ready to rumble, did that come from Nitro? That's a, I think that's a, I'm pretty sure that there's a boxing thing first off, but he has the trademark for it. I knew he had the trademark. I didn't really, I didn't know if that actually. I'm pretty like, sure that's from boxing. Okay. But yeah, he appeared here. He announced one match. He didn't even do the whole uh-uh. pay-per-view. How much did he get? $25,000. That's the parents fee. He said one sentence and he got twenty. No, nah, he did a couple. I was going to say. <laughs> oh, he did announce the wrestlers. I, 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 yeah. wrote, I wrote it. I was like, he's not worth what they're paying him for, but he was fantastic, I thought. For <laughs> he this. was. He absolutely was. It's not like he just came out and said the catchphrase left. He actually like announced the match, announced the wrestlers. Did he say something kind of silly about DDP in this? I think, are you laughing at, he's from the, he's from the Jersey Shore, by the way, of the school of hard knocks. Yes. <laughs> By the way, the school of hard knocks. You're from New Jersey. Are you, by the way, the school of hard knocks? Is it nice seeing him be loved? Yes, it really is. <laughs> and not being cheer with Jim Ross going, DDP is a stalker. Yes. It, He's it's, a pervert. He's a sicko. They really, like, 
the the invasion really just wanted to fuck over every pot, every person from WCW. I'm convinced of that at this point. What did you think of DDP's hair? Because <sighs> when we met him in WWE, he he has the well, he will have the short haircut in WCW. It was very way. flock of seagulls. It was not my favorite DDP look. I think the short hair looks much better on him, but uh, not my favorite. Yeah, I don't know exactly when he cuts it. I don't think there's a hair versus hair match. I think he just gets a haircut. Okay. I could be wrong. And uh, you were gushing a little bit over the big gold belt. I love that oh, belt. It's so beautiful. It's such, it's an objectively better belt than anything that rest, that WWE has. That might be the best wrestling belt ever. It's so good. Some of the earlier WWE titles are pretty close, but it, that is absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's at this point after GDP comes out, where if you were watching live back in 1988, you would not have seen the main event. Yeah, Nick um, liked to take take note of that and immediately turned the TV off. Yes, I, I wanted was to very give confused. her a, a, an authentic experience. <laughs> so if you're not aware, the uh, broadcast went long, and the pay per view was only was only scheduled to be three hours. So at the three hour mark, the pay per view cut out. But the pay per view runs three hours fifteen. <laughs> This is where I make my case that the Nitro Girls should not have been on the pay-per-view. Okay. Because you cut the Nitro Girls, you have enough time. There would have been enough time. Maybe. How, it would have been close. However, I also, I, lo- I was looking at this. It's always a question of how did this go over? And I, I point to two things. Because you can kind of make cuts for a little while before then. Mm-hmm. Sting. Sting took about 10 minutes to get carted out, it felt like. It was a while. True. He really, it, they did and take their sweet time. based on the fact that it was a botched finish, Warrior and Hogan went over. So with the combination of the two of them, I think that might be where you lost the time. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was totally on the Nitro Girls. But I'm saying, hypothetically, you cut the Nitro Girls, you got enough time for this. Or... At least the match has started and you can communicate. You got five minutes. Exactly. I don't. I honestly don't think the Nitro Girls took up 15 minutes of airtime. They appeared four or five times. But that, I don't think they appeared for like maybe two, a minute two, each. I, think two, I would say two minutes each time. Okay, so that's what, 10 that, minutes? 10 minutes. So and they could have cut five, yeah. I guess. Um, because some of that is also celebrating. You can kind of cut the handshake and stuff at the end. We kind of talked about it earlier because you're talking about how you didn't like the pumpkin being in the way. Yeah. So there's the tracking shot of... Goldberg coming out from yeah, the locker room. I loved the shot of basically him in like in like from like grill position, like the t- like and like the tunnel coming out, where it's just his back and you see the entire yes, house. I, I did think that was cool. that's one of the most like cinematic things I've like seen in wrestling. And like once he's next to the pumpkin, the camera like comes out and around yeah. in front of him. Yeah, that um, looks really great. We kind of skipped over that Kevin Nash got a fuck ton of pyro, but Goldberg gets <laughs> a lot of fucking pyro. Yeah, Kevin Nash gets pyro, but uh. Rick Goldberg Fl- gets pyro. <laughs> Ric Flair will also get a fair amount of pyro once he Good. shows up. I'm kind of surprised. I don't think Hogan did. I could be wrong. I don't remember there being a lot of pyro for him. It wasn't a notable amount, at least. So Goldberg is billed as being 154 and zero, mm-hmm. which we talked about on while you're we watching is likely not the real number. I can't find any. I can't find anything on what the real number actually really? was. Really? Okay. The important thing is that he actually did not lose. We will see them try to recreate this streak with somebody else later on. One, who is not new to wrestling. Two, who will like lose by DQ and they won't count it. Oh. Yeah, Goldberg actually did not lose. And there's actually a story of him wanting to put like 
very early on wanting to put somebody over in like a dark match like in their hometown and they're like no you win <laughs> so. so is it is it like dark matches that he's winning or is it like battle royals where he's beating like 30 guys at a time i think he won world war three I, I i don't think i think they would only count that as one match but really? like okay I didn't know like if that's how they were building up the numbers. No, I mean this. I mean this streak has been going for a while, okay. for like over like, like over a year. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming it was it was extended through like house shows and maybe like end of the night dark matches because he is the world champion, so he did win a good amount of well, yeah, matches. Yeah. So the match itself, I didn't have a lot of notes for, but Neither I really I. enjoyed. The main story is Goldberg overpowering DDP and DDP kind of not giving up. Yeah, he just kind of came off as scrappy. Exactly. And I think that's a good way to describe the character. Like, it, they kind of embrace that DDP is not a young guy. Like, DDP didn't start wrestling until, like, his 30s. Which is so cool. Yeah. And it's just like... I appreciate that. Yeah. And just kind of, like, new guys who were wrestlers, like, from the gym. And they're like, mm-hmm. you should start doing this. And became a natural and, like, was great. And yeah. then, like, worked his way up. So, yeah, Goldberg is working DDP over through the rest of the match, including a uh, spinning neck breaker and a little suplex toss, which... Mm-hmm. Does run into the issue of if you're Goldberg, you kind of can't do suplexes because the setup for your finisher is a suplex, right? So, like, certain people have have issues with that, where it's like you can't do this type of thing because Undertaker has that all the time because the tombstone he kind of picks you up on the shoulder first, Mm -hmm. but he also has a move called Snake Eyes where he'll go over the corner and drop you face first. That's not a. It's not the tombstone. It's not the tombstone. But it it looks almost identical when when you're starting the move. So GDP manages to turn things around by dodging his shoulder into the corner and Goldberg goes shoulder first into the ring post. Yeah, which just looked sore. Yeah. He then manages to hit a counter into a jumping DDT, but then gets blasted by a spear. And that just, that looked so rough to oh take. Oh my off. god, yeah. Goldberg's spears are thicker beauty, but we're like, ooh! Yeah. The wind got knocked out of us. So Goldberg then goes to bring DDP up and this may be the most famous diamond cutter ever because he brings them up, DDP lands it, counters it, and turns it into the diamond cutter. Yes. And it is beautiful. That was good. That looked so nice. It is beautiful. But he takes too long to try to pin him and Goldberg kicks out, which was a rarity. People did not kick out a diamond cutter. No? No, but I think they gave it enough time to where... Well, yeah, he kind of like let it sit, you know? Usually, if you wait that long to pin somebody, they kick out. There's like one example of that not happening and it's... Triple H and Booker T. Right. <laughs> but besides that, usually, it's like if you wait that long, they're kicking out. Yeah. Or like time's going to expire in an Iron Man match. <laughs> or if, you know, one of the commentators is like, oh, we have a new champion. Oh, he's got the win. No, yeah. he doesn't. Emily has started to notice commentary giving away finishes. Yes, unfortunately. So very shortly thereafter, DDP goes for a suplex and then Goldberg counters it. Hits the jackhammer and pins celebrates they have a nice little show of respect holding up the mm-hmm. arm yeah i was very happy to not get a heel turn from either of them this was just a clean match it was face versus face yeah it was just straight clean no and, low and blow. it ended nice too <laughs> yeah. yeah no 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 low blow shocking no reason for a dq no belts no chairs no d no low blows i thought this was a great match some, it people, was. some people call this goldberg's best match I don't know if i go that far yeah i think most people say this also it's before his wwe comeback so we talked a little about ddp and i think now that he's retained the title overall thoughts on goldberg i know you know him 
more from his current day yeah, run than his previous run. He looks very similar. <laughs> you said he was a little bit of a hunk here. He was though. a little bit of a hunk here. I mean, I'm not saying that he's not a hunk. He is. He is a hunk. I mean, I like him. I like that he knows what he is and he's going to keep with it. <laughs> yeah, which is why his 2003 run doesn't work. Is because they try to make him be... They, they, they try to make him do like 20 minute matches against Triple H and it's like, no. No, no, no. no he's a quick boy. No, five, and I appreciate that. Yeah, five minutes in and out. I appreciate that. Well, I guess that's Halloween Havoc 1998. We made it through. Shit, all right. I know, that's, that's it. Uh, match of the night, MVP. Match of the night, I'm given to um, Jericho Raven. Okay. It surprised me so much and it was a lot of fun. It was a really strong opener. That's my match of the night. MVP? I guess I'd have to give it to Raven. I mean, I was more disappointed by people than impressed. So Raven actually like changed my mind on a wrestler. So I guess I'd give it to Raven. Uh, I don't know. My match tonight is the main event, Goldberg DDP. It's it's great. It's fairly quick too. So yeah. it's like it's not a twenty minute like oh let's drag this out. It's very it's very fast paced, very kind of to the point. So. Very easy watch on that. Mm-hmm. And I give I give my MVP to Rick Steiner. Why? I think everything wrong with that segment was Buff Bagwell. I thought Rick Rick Steiner was a solid baby face. Way more than I thought he would be. I guess. I guess, yeah. I had the crowd behind him. Like, at one point, when he's making his comeback on Big Show... I did it again. <laughs> <laughs> on the Giant and Scott Steiner. Like, the crowd's with him. And I, I did not think I was going to like Rick Steiner as much as I did tonight. Okay. So that was Halloween Havoc, 1998. And that was our first podcast episode. How are you feeling? Tired. (laughs) Yeah, same. That was a long boy. We'll see what it cuts down to, but we are currently at three hours and 26 minutes of recording time. Woohoo! Our next episode is going to be the build to World War III, 1998. And then we'll hit World War III. And then we'll do the same going into Starcade. Woohoo! AKA the WrestleMania. Yes. You excited for World War Three? I don't know. We've, I think. We've watched one of them before. It's that 60 man three ring. Oh. Oh, yeah. See, that's the appropriate response. Oh. It's the final World War Three. There was more than one. <laughs> I know. You think How can was... there be more than one World War Three? If you liked this podcast, you can follow us on Twitter. Yes, we've already set up a Twitter. <laughs> We're proactive. At Butts in the Pod. This has been the Butts in the Seeds podcast. I'm Nick. I'm Emily. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you next time on the way to World War Three. Woo!